Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to another special bonus edition of the Paul Ryder Tapes. In this episode, we have the sweetest, funniest, kindest, most interesting, massively successful international DJ, producer and remixer that I've ever met. It's the legend that is the lovely Paul Oakenfold. What what occupies your time the most now in terms of work? Is it is it DJing? Is it records? No, it's making music in here. This is yeah. usually where I, you know, when I, when I was working in England, I was in a dark room for 14 hours. Right. I'd start work midday and end up three in the morning. One great thing about LA is because the sun shines, I can start work at 11 and finish at six. It's, a, you know, I've got some kind of life now yeah. and the sun's shining and you're doing it here. And, yeah. Uh, all um, these movies I worked on. Oh, right. Uh, oh, course, I did a, yeah. That's why I ended up living here. Oh, that's what brought you here in the first place, doing the movies. Yeah. That movie, Second yeah. Next to Elvis, with John Travolta and Halle Berry, and that's what I got asked <laughs> to do that movie. I came and Swordfish. done that movie. Yeah. You did Swordfish? I scored. Wow. And then I got asked to work on Born Identity, Tom Cruise movie. Uh, Matrix. So I ended up staying. I didn't plan to live here. Oh, right. So, that, even... so that was after the whole Mondays thing. Yeah. That was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And was that like an accident that you fell into the movie thing? No, I got approached to score a film, that movie, and I didn't know how to score a film. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I've got to take this opportunity and try. So I started to do research and ask people, and then I did it, and they had never really used the proper electronic music in film. It was always mm-hmm. traditional score. Right. So it became a hit. As the music became a hit, the film was a hit. So suddenly I got asked to do all these films and they want you here. So then I said to mm-hmm. my mum, I don't know, I mean, 
you know. Oh, I bet she was upset. Yeah, well, I left. Let's be honest, Pills and Thrills really catapulted them into the mainstream. Like, they, that album really cemented their future, really. So can you remember how, how it came about that you were involved in that? No, sorry. <laughs> It came, he actually, it came about, or came a, a, around, um, we'd have to take a couple of steps back to get to Pills and Frills. So the Mondays um, came up with a tune called Rope for Luck. I got asked to remix Rope for Luck. That's where our relationship started. So um, <clears throat> I listened to the original. It didn't work for DJs, not just myself, but the rhythm was all wrong. Um, and, and that was the beginning of, of, of my relationship with the Mondays, with Gary, the drummer, um, was rhythm. It didn't work for the dance floor. So when I did Rope for Luck, I'm like, okay, I need to change the drums, I need to make it more melodic, I need the structure needs to, to change, and that's what I did. And out of that became a record that people started to play, and the word indie dance came about. Because you could finally dance to indie music. But how, did you, how were you approached? Like, whose idea was it to bring you in even for Rope for Luck? So I don't, I, I can't remember that, but I think it was, I'd worked with bands, I think I'd worked on U2, or was it In Excess, or I was working, I was remixing a lot of bands, mm. I, I, and, and um, I was DJing in a nightclub called The Future, so I would play The Cure next to, uh, um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five next to Bob Marley. The the club was based around when I went to Ibiza and experienced the Balearic sound that it became to be known, which is basically all kinds of great music together. So I would play at this club, hence why the it's called Rope for Luck, it's the title, but it's called The Future Mix. And I sampled Prince at the end from the movie Batman, which in those days you could get away with samples. I mean, there's an NWA sample in there, there's a lot going on in that track, but it worked really, really well. And it blew up, and as I say, the media then were going, oh, you, you, indie dance, indie dance. Okay, it's indie dance. And then our relationship started to grow. Uh, I ended up working on another song called Hallelujah. Um, I then went and done some shows with them in Ibiza and Manchester and London. Um, we would go up to Hacienda, I would DJ sometimes there and they would come down to London and mm -hmm. the relationship felt natural for both parties. And then London Records acquired Factory and then it really and then stepped it up a level. It became the relationship changed in a good way. It became a professional 
uh, situation. What I mean by that, you're not going to just remix one of them. You're going to go and start from scratch and produce an album. And I was like, that's a big deal for me because I've never really, I'd only ever produced my own music. But I had Steve Osborne, who in his own right is fantastic. I mean, Steve is a great producer. Mm -hmm. um, and I was lucky to have Steve working alongside me on some of these remixes later on in my career because I was doing it on my own and I was doing it with a guy called Rob Davis and then Steve brought a lot to the table for myself. Mm. So it just all felt a natural progression to get to the point where we would then become their producers. Mm. Um, um, do you know who it was who was driving that relationship though? Did you, what, what was, was it Tony that had come up with the idea? Was it Nathan? Was it the band? Like who, who was the person who, in the first place? I think, I think, I don't know. That's more of a question for them because they decide. Uh, it's not like I'm going, listen, let me do this, let me do that. It, it doesn't really work like that. The record company approaches you or the band, mm. If you, or even the manager, and says, listen, that's how it came about. I don't know their internal talks. I, all I know that, that when I got involved with Rope for Luck, it changed their sound. It changed their, it changed everything about Happy Mondays from being that jingly jangly band, which they were known as, mm -hmm. to something that was more focused, something that the the, the, that generation at that time that were into Acid House, taking pills, going for it, mm. were all into, right? Mm. It, it was a, it was, that was the change. So that's why they came back to me and said, could you do Hallelujah? And when I'd done Hallelujah, then it led on to the album because suddenly Happy Mondays were known for this, right. not for that. Right. And that's when they started to become a lot more popular across the board and the country. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you met Paul? I can remember the first time I met the band. I didn't, I didn't necessarily meet any individual first. I mean, I was in Hacienda and met Bez, you know, and Sean briefly. Um, but I think collectively, was when I met the band and it was like, okay, are we going to do this? Because <clears throat> I had a different way of working to them. And we had to make sure that we we're all on the same page here. You know, usually when you record a band, they're all in the same room and they're playing and then the producers, you know, and uh, yeah, giving them directions and telling them what to do. But I didn't do it like that. I didn't produce the record like that. It, it was individual uh, moments with key with the members of the band, talking them through the process of what we'd done when it came to remixing, that now we're gonna do from scratch. Because I would get, let's say, Rope for Luck. I would listen to each individual channel and say, keep that, keep that, get rid of all that, let me double check that. And then I'd start to add layers. Mm -hmm. when, I, when we, me and Steve, produced the Mondays, um, 
It was a blank piece of canvas. There was demos, rough songs, but they within that rough song, I always knew there was a diamond somewhere. Yeah. And 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 Sean's lyrics were brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you know, call the cops. You're twisting my melon, man. You know, yeah. I'd like to teach the world to sing. You know, it. it these lines spilled over into the club world. The clubs I was playing at at that time, people were like, yeah, call the cops. And it wouldn't mean call the cops. It would it would mean, you know, it's going off. We're having a great time. But that could be my interpretation and someone else's interpretation was different. So I didn't meet Paul, just Paul. I met the band. Mm -hmm. What was your impression? Your first of... Impression? Your first impression of them. <laughs> that was it. It was like, man, these guys are great. I mean, they, 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 I think because we were all into clubs, maybe they weren't into clubs for the club music, but they were in the Hacienda. Mm -hmm. They were in the clubs. It, it just, everything about my relationship with Happy Mondays felt natural. It was, one of those special moments you don't get often in music. You don't get often, this is gonna be a hit. We are, we are creating more than a record. We are creating a movement. You very, very rarely get that. Otherwise everyone would be making hits. Right? Did you know? I knew, I knew. I knew, I, I, I'm so, this isn't me being big headed, it's just being honest. I was so confident that this was, the beginning of something big. I remember I'm playing it on the dance floor, seeing the reaction of the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sensing this is something new and fresh and different. It was, you know, it, it was the right time at the right place and the music doesn't happen often. Yeah. The second summer of love in 1988, when everyone was dropping pills, looking at the DJ, doing that was a moment. When I was on tour with U2 playing stadiums and they've got a DJ DJing before the biggest rock band in the world, that was a moment. You have moments in music and the key to those moments are is to recognise them and to act on them because we all have moments in life. And if you don't act on it, you may regret it. Remember I should have got on that plane and came to LA and tried to see if it worked in LA and if it didn't, I could have went home. Well, you did it and it worked, but you did it. You seized the moment. And in music, I, I, it's just, you know when the moment's right, you can feel it. And me and the Happy Mondays has always been right. were they to you I mean effectively you came in and you changed, you it changed the vibe completely how amenable did they, did anybody fight you it, 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 it's, it's 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 a great question because out of that question um, have come other situation with bands where they didn't trust me what's the point of hiring me if you're not gonna let me do my job there's no point you know, and the Mondays hired me to produce their album, and they let me, even though they come from a different world, they let me do it the way that I needed to do it to make it work. They trusted me, they listened to me. We had conversations. Why do we need to do it like this? 
Well, let me explain why. But remember, we'd already mixed two songs, and then I'd done Step On, and Step On was huge. So it was always a case of, let's do Step On, and then it was huge. So it was, why wouldn't we all want to go in the studio and make an album? Since then, I've gone on and produced other, other bands, and I've had that conversation. Well, everything I'm trying to do to make this record work in respect of you hiring me as a producer, you are stopping. So why hire me? It ain't going to work unless you let me do what I do. Mm. And the Mondays let me do what I, what, what I could do to make that record work. I, I sensed what could work on the dance floor because it had been proven with Rope for Luck, Hallelujah, U2, Cure. I'd done it. So, you know, why would you hire me unless you want, want, want me to do what I do? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the process of recording that album, you said that everybody did everything individually. Yeah. And was there any pushback against no. that? No. The band, I think, as I completely believed in them that I could get the best results, I think they believed in, in Steve and I that we could deliver, you know, and where Steve was stronger than me, I would hand it over to him and he would sit there and work on certain aspects of the record. Where I was stronger than him, I would sit there, for instance, with Gary, and I was like, you, you, your rhythm's too loose. Your rhythm needs to be a tighter rhythm that would work not only as a, as, a, as a new Happy Monday sound, but it would work on the dance floor and it would be fresh. Because drummers at that time were kind of just a bit looser. It was that sound, whatever you want to call it, the Manchester, I don't know, whatever it was called. Indie was the word at that time. It wasn't indie dance, it was just indie music. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was, it was um, a different approach, and my approach was your rhythms have got to be tighter, so it would, so everything fits. It's much more melodic, structured, and people can dance to it, but also listen to it. And that was the difference between what the Mondays were before. You couldn't dance to the Mondays. Right. It didn't work. Do you remember a moment in time when you thought this is gonna? Like, was there a, a, a moment when you were in a club when something ha specific happened? Do you remember? <clears throat> the club hit for me was Rope for Luck. I knew it would work on the floor because of what I'd done to it. As I say, it's got, it's, it's, it's got, end up, it's got hip hop loops all over it. It's a hip hop record with a guitar line and some samples and Sean. Yeah. What is Rope for Luck? What does Rope for Luck mean? No, I don't know what Rope for Luck means, but the track worked and the whole idea of it came together and worked because of the elements put together, but it's not the strongest chorus. Oh. It's not the strongest song. It's that hook though, isn't it? It's the elements that come together that yeah. made it work. What, what become the big, big hit when you know, hang on, we have, we got club records with Hallelujah and and wrote for luck and they may go in the charts at number 30 or 40, whatever. 
And when we knew we had a real record and a hit, Step On. Yeah. When Step On came, it was like, oh my God, this is a proper international record. This is a hit record with a fresh sound and a different approach and a great bunch of not the best musicians in the world, but who had a vibe and a swagger with a great vocalist with Roetta, with a character like Bez. It was a moment in musical time that you look back on and go, wow, man, that, what is this? And the kids wanted to buy into it. And they did. They bought into the swagger, the look, the style. It, it, again, it was right time, right place. And because I was coming from the clubs, because Steve was coming from the rock, because the band was indie, it, it, it just worked. Now, you can't even analyse it and, and go, well, why did it work? I have my opinion. Sean's going to have a different opinion. Rowett may have a different opinion. I don't know, right? But those opinions all come into the melting pot and made it work. So the Mondays when we came to Los Angeles, just around the corner, actually, how strange is that? I know. So I never thought in a million years I'd be living around the corner from Capitol Records. Um, we went in, we did it, and we nailed it. It, it. it was six weeks straight to the point we were on a, a real high. Every member of the band, I, I honestly think they knew that there was something special here. Right. Do you remember the days? There, there was fun. Um, we went out, we partied. Um, there was, um, me and Steve, look, I, I had a, personally, it was because it kind of fell on my shoulders. It was, I was the producer. Um, so there was a lot of pressure. It's the first album I'd ever produced outside of what I do. It was a rock band or an indie band. It was a Capitol Studios, it was a hundred thousand pounds and there was a record company here in America that was like watching, you know, it, it, you had a lot of eyes on you and I didn't want to let anyone down. So I would just be so focused on work. I'd be like, you know, Steve and myself would be sitting talking, how can we make it better? What can we do? Can we bring this element in? So we were doing a lot, a lot of work. I went out probably a couple of nights in that whole period. Mm. I would sit and analyze the mixes. I would, you know, it was a big moment for me also, because it was all on my shoulders. If it didn't happen, you know, it, it, it could come back on me. And it was also a moment for Steve and myself in our careers that we, but we were so, confident or I was so confident that I knew it was going to happen. Do you feel that they delivered on their side yes. of things? Yes. I think that they trusted us enough to let us suggest and do things. Listen, it's Happy Monday's record. It's Happy Monday's album. I'm merely a producer. <coughs> but I think that they trusted us so much that we could push the envelope and say, well, let's try this. Let's do that. Yeah. So it was very, um, a very creative space. And there's nothing better than the world, in my opinion, than to be in a creative space in a job that you love. Whatever that job is, yeah. whoever you are, if you're in a creative space, it brings the best out of you. 
Uh -huh. And I think that album brought the best of everyone uh, out of them because I would sit with Sean and I'd be like, lyrics, lyrics, lyrics. What are we talking about? Where are we going? What's happening? Talk to me. Tell me. Go away and think about it. What melodies you're going to come up I was like, that, that, come on, come on. Really? You think we can't come up with something better than that? Because I was trying to push him to bring the best out of him. Mm -hmm. And he was responsive to that. Yeah, yeah, very responsive. And they all showed up on time. It wasn't yeah. like they were going out getting drunk and drugs and getting beat they, they, we, we would, we lived in, all lived in apartments together. So there was a bunch of apartments where everyone lived. Oakwood Apartments in Burbank, I believe. Oakwood <laughs> Apartments in Burbank, which I drive by and go, oh, it's changed the name now. Was it? Yeah. So we were in these, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we were in these apartments and we were all together. And when the sessions would end, they would go and do what they would do. And, and they, they weren't, as far as I was aware, they weren't out going out much. We would go out because going out to clubs is usually what where I'm into me, right? Because that's what I do for a living. So I'd know where to go and I'd be like, right, Friday night, let's all go out. Fuck it, man. Let's go out and get drunk and have a good time because we put in a great work uh, all week in the studio. And I, I honestly think that they loved it in the studio because they sensed it as much as we all did. We were in this moment. So, you know, I, I suppose they had their moments with one another, like Sean and Paul maybe did. Yeah. But I wasn't really aware of that. No. Um, I was on Nathan's back a bit. Yeah. Nathan was the manager. I was like, make sure you keep this in check. I need Sean tomorrow at two o'clock. Yeah. You know, he, he, drugs were going on, of course. You know, no one's going to hide that. Um, go and do whatever you want to do, but be here at two o'clock tomorrow because we're going to record your guitar line, your piano, your vocals, whatever it was, and it would happen. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Tell me about your impressions of Paul. I mean, you've you've you've, you've hinted about Paul was quiet. Paul was Paul was thorough. Paul would turn up and do what he wanted, what he needed to do. We could sit with Paul individually and say, change it up a bit, do this, do that, and he would. But Paul was solid. Paul, Paul was always a solid member of the band that you spoke to and what you asked him to do, he would do and do quicker than other members of the band. Right. And, and that was Paul's role. You've got a room full of characters. Mm. Not easy to manage characters, you know. I, I live in a world of characters yeah. with all my friends, and just trying to get them on a tour bus to go to a show is, yeah. you know, they're late, they're this, they're stopping off, picking up. It's no, what's going on here, yeah. you know. Hence, a tour manager. So, as a producer, you'd sometimes look at the manager and go, you know, but the manager was off, you know, as I mentioned briefly, he was off doing his own things. Mm -hmm. um, but Paul was thorough. What I remember, Paul was, none of them were trouble. None of them I had issues with. Yeah. It, 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 I think they all knew that we were on to something that was special. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why they were all on time and turned up. Yeah. Do you remember DJing at Paul's wet first wedding? Yeah. Not my one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me yeah. about that day. I, 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 I think it, it, I was so intertwined with the Happy Mondays at one point. People thought I was from Manchester. What, I'm with a, an accent like that? I know, until they heard me talk, they were like, I'm not, I'm not from Manchester, what are you talking about? But, you know, they, and then people thought I was in the band. I mean, people, you know, you're part of, no, I'm not part of Happy Mondays. Um, so I'd done a lot with them, you know, and the wedding was just, of course I come and play some music at your wedding, you know what I mean? It's like, we're friends, not a problem. Yeah. You know, of course I come to Ibiza and open for you, at, you know, at the Coup Club, or of course I'll open for you at Wembley. It was, you know, it was that moment. Look, I, I, I did a bunch of remixes of Stone Roses. I DJed at Spike Island. I was the resident at clubs in Manchester and Hacienda, I did my spell. I mean, I was there when they shot Rope for Luck, the video. Oh. Um, there, there, there was a lot going on with me in Manchester for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's... I, 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 I have interesting... Um, thoughts about that because they've never done another record after the Tina Weymouth album. They haven't done a record. No. There's no new music. And Alan McGee, who's their manager, when I saw him, I was like, why don't he do a new record? We're, you know, and then he goes, they don't want to. That's not true. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it's not. Okay. No, well, no. maybe Sean. Sean didn't want to do didn't... All the band were gagging to do an album, but Sean wanted to do a solo album and wanted the band to put it out as a Happy Mondays album. They all said, no, we're the band, we want to write the music. Actually, the actually, probably I have heard that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Paul, I mean, Paul talks about it at length in the podcast, like it was one of his biggest bugbears in life was that Sean wouldn't do another album. but. He wrote one with somebody, I think, in yeah. LA, 
and said, right, we're going to put this out, you can have some publishing, but we're putting it out as a Mondays album, and Gaz and Paul and Mark were like, no, we're not doing that, we didn't write it, we don't want to put yeah. our name to something that... This is like one Did of... Did you hear it? Uh, yeah, it was all right, but it wasn't a Mondays album. Like right. it, it's you, 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 why you, not take the recipe, take the elements that yeah, worked before. Absolutely. Like why? And 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 the sounds, right? Yeah. You know, when when you hear that piano line on Step On, or when you hear the guitar line, it's the sounds. You can't just bring in no. someone. You know. But you did do another another record with them so about. We, how, Eight, nine, eight years later, you went back in the studio when they, after they split up and they reformed again. So, <clears throat> we got offered to do their fourth, our second, right? Is right. That right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. And, of course I wanted to do it. I mean, you know, we wanted coming off of a platinum record, you know, a record that changed culture. Uh, in terms of bringing dance and indie music together and creating a sound called indie dance that Enemy and Melody Maker always used to quote, say to me, oh, you, you know, this sound, this indie dance. And so, of course, we wanted to do it. But as I mentioned briefly, there was no demos. It was a recipe. I, you know, I, I know enough about music to know when to do something and when not to. And I was like, we can't go to Jamaica. And then drugs were really, really in the mix big time. There's a lot heavier drugs going on. You want us to go to Jamaica oh, 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 and record an album with nothing just to go there. And you know everyone's going to go like that. They weren't getting on. So everyone's going to go their own ways. And then suddenly it's down to Steve and I to go... It didn't feel right for me, and I and I was the one who put my hand out, and I just I was like, I ain't doing it. I I I, I it doesn't. We're gonna be in trouble here, Steve. It ain't gonna work, and that's when. And as I say, I love them. They're great. I'm a fan, <clears throat> and but it didn't feel right, mm. and I'm. Glad we did do it. And Nathan McGough was like, you made the biggest fucking mistake of your career. Da, 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 da. They're going to be as big as Pink Floyd. And I'm like, Nathan, I want to do this, but you've got to do demos. We've got to figure out what we're going to do. Because if we don't, it's going to turn into a mess. Mm. So, we left it. We moved on all in our lives. I went on and produced stuff. Uh, and then... I don't know how it came about, but I'm a fan. Of course I wanted to work with the Mondays again. So I think it was for a movie. Uh, I think it was for a Christmas album. Oh, The Ghosts of Oxford Street. That's when it, right. it came around. We During that session, we did a couple of tracks. Right. And it was a cover. What was it? We couldn't remember at the time, but the track was actually Staying Alive, which was originally, of course, done by the Bee Gees. I know, I don't even know if it came out, but we did it, and it wasn't... They, it, the whole thing had changed. Then when the band had reformed in 1999, Paul went into the studio with the boys to record The Boys Are Back In Town. There wasn't the same feeling in the studio. Well, I told you what happened upstairs. Do you want to tell me again? Do we want to mention it? 
Yeah, I think we actually talked about that. So, <clears throat> I was in the real world studio, Peter Gabriel's studio. So excited to go down this a residential studio, and we were recording. And then Steve came to me uh, and said that a bunch of his belongings have been have gone missing. I'm like, what are you talking about? I checked the whole room, stuff has been stolen. Wallet, money, and the band were there, the band's entourage were there, and then I pulled Sean to the side, and I was like, listen, we got a problem here, unless this wallet and money's put back within the next hour, we're walking, and I'm never gonna work with you guys again. You don't fucking do that. That is disrespectful, rude, and mm. you're fucking stills anyway. I mean, you know, I mean, where's your head at? Yeah. And let alone the producers who... Making the album, yeah. Really? Is that where we're at now? Have we got this yeah. load that we're doing this? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I, I, and I said, Steve, we're going. It got resolved. It got resolved, it, the, it was put back where what was stolen was put back and it certainly wasn't the band, it yeah. wasn't, you know, and I'm sure it was embarrassing for them as much as it was it. for yeah. us and yeah. it just left a bad taste yeah. and that killed the vibe, it killed it there and then, what we had in that room in that moment where we were like, we're going to make a fucking great track, it's Finn Lizzy. It's a cool record, we can just ramp it up, we can give it everything, mate. So, killed it. Yeah. It was over there. Even when we were trying to do it, it was like, oh, fuck it, man. Mm. You know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be, I don't want to sit around and be around these guys because the entourage was still there. Right, they got rid of the guy that did it, <clears> though, I think. They kicked him out. I'm sure. Yeah. And so they should have. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Right? You he should know, never but, have been there in the first place. No, he was and, a heroin and, addict. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what you was dealing. You just yeah. said it. You're dealing with heroin addicts who just steal, mm. right? Because mm. of what the money for the drugs. Yeah. And unfortunately, they should never have been there. And, and no. it, it should have just been us. And the band. And the band. Yeah. And that's what it was in LA. And that's. Now, if we'd recorded. That album, Pills Thrills in, in England, I don't know if it would have been as good because it would have been too many people in there mucking it all up. There was, mm. They couldn't go anywhere or call anyone or see anyone because there was no one here for them to do that with. Right. That's what, that's what, well, that's what gets you into that work ethic moment where you're just locked in music. You can express yourself in this moment. But when you've got all these people coming in, it's hard to capture that moment. And the Mondays need that. Yeah. Would you ever Otherwise, they're all over the shop. <clears throat> Would you ever work with them again? Would I ever work with Happy Mondays again? Yes, I would. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm the right person now. You know, would I work with them again? Of course I would. Of course I'd. I'd but it'd have to be. What are we doing? What are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? It, there's, there's questions. See, we created a sound and a movement. Mm -hmm. Now, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, that's, uh, that would be my question. So you want me to 
produce another album with. Where, what's your direction? What's your sound? Where do you want to go? You ain't done a record for 30 years. Where are we going with this? Do you want to pick up from where you was and do, and be an indie dance, but make it more edgy and cooler and 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 more dangerous? And you know, are you ready for that? You, you know, we're all older now. What would you advise them to do? I don't. I I, I haven't thought about it. I mean, this this. I don't know. I haven't. Maybe I should go away. I, 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 my head's on. It's the 30-year anniversary of my record label. I'm doing creative collaborations with some old, older artists and some new young artists. So I'm in a different place in music. It, it, to go back and spend several weeks longer with a band, we've got to do demos, you know, where, what's the lyrical direction? There's a lot of questions before you even get in the studio. Um, you know, and who's to say I'm not the right guy? Maybe I'm not. Maybe they need a a, a, a producer of a 25-year-old producer who's got new creative young ideas. Mm. You know. Do you still play the records? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because I found my vinyl copy amongst all these fucking records. I I. When I moved from England, all these records were in some kind of order, and we took them off the shelves, we boxed them all up, we knew where they needed to go, and at that time, my assistant uh, was working with me on doing all this. He was writing it all down, and we lost the piece of paper where everything was written down. So I don't really know where anything is, right? To be honest with you. And you've been here like 12 years. In this I, I ain't going to sit here and go full fucking, you know. A. But, but A, B, year, year, month, you know, whatever, artist. But what happens is, I do come down here and I pull records. And I found an album copy, vinyl, of Peels and Frills. And I did listen to it several months ago during, well, prior to that, COVID. Right. And I sat there and for the first time in 20 odd years, I list, really listened to the record and yeah, I'm proud of that record. Yeah. yeah, it's a real moment. I've got a Q award for it up there. Um, it, was a, it was a great moment in, in my career, in Steve's career, in the Mundy's career. It's a, it's, it's a good, solid record that you can play today and Sonically, the sounds are still there. I mean, you're always going to, as a producer, go back and say, oh, I could have maybe done that. But it was a moment in time that, um, for me, it was a proud moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We played it in the car on the way here. Did you? <laughs> yeah, singing along. Did you really? We did. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, cute. how do you think your career 
or do you think your career would have taken any different of a trajectory if you hadn't inter interacted with them? And do you think theirs would have been different? I mean, obviously theirs would have. But theirs would have been different. I, 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 I hope... Look, they played an important part in, in my career, of course, and I'm very grateful. Um, I don't know the answer to your question, because I was working with you too. I went on, I did re several remixes for them. I went on a world tour with them. I've produced and mixed and toured with Madonna. I've, I've done the coolest bands from Massive Attack to Cure. So I don't know, I don't know if it would have affected my career because I was already doing all this, yeah. but I'm certainly happy that they're part of my life and I will always look back on the Happy Mondays with fond memories, you know, and I love those guys. I mean, they, 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 yeah. who don't? Yeah. I mean, from what I'm aware of, you know, which my, my mum's told me, my friends have told me, you know, Bez and Sean are, you know, are all over TV. Yeah. <clears throat> they, they're lovable characters. Mm -hmm. They're part of British culture in yeah. some respects. I mean, they're, they're the Happy Mondays. I mean, you don't see it with the Stone Roses. You don't see it with the Spiral Carpets. You don't see it with the Smiths. You don't see it with New Order. I mean, the Mondays are a special band. You don't see, name another band where you see two of the front men 30 years later sitting on TV doing cooking with this or, or this or that or Google Box. I mean, I don't get it all here. We don't get it here, no. you know, but I'm told and I follow, yeah. well, I follow them on yeah. social. Yeah. So, uh, do you remember where you were when you found out Paul had died and what you thought? Yeah, it was a sad moment. I was here, mm. just at home. What did you think? Just sad, mm. you know. You, you know, as I said, Paul was a stand-up, solid guy. Yeah. You know, and he was. Remember at his wedding when we was there, it was a good vibe. You know, yeah. it was good moments. Just sad. Yeah, it's kind of a leveler, isn't it, when our generation, you know, start to go. There's lots of musicians around that age. Yeah. We, as we get older, obviously death comes closer, and mm. life's that whole that old cliche that's true. That it's too short. Where has it gone? Yeah. I mean, uh, when what year did we do Peels and Frills? Nineteen, I think. Nineteen ninety. Where's it gone? I don't know why they didn't do. You know, it's none of my business. I don't know why they didn't do another record. Because there's certainly talent there. Mm -hmm. um, Paul's written loads of bass lines, apparently, that he's left behind. So, <laughs> like, you can use those bass lines in your new album. It's funny, though, that he's now talking about them. It was Gary that told me that. We'll see. We don't yeah. know. Who knows? Tell Gary he's supporting the wrong team. I will. He's telling I that will. one fuck off for <laughs> 20 years, man. You're supporting the wrong team, Gary. <laughs> Come and join Chelsea. I always, I mean him always, we'll always like this on, yeah. on football. I love Gaz, Gaz is one of my favourite people yeah. in the world. And Gary's got his own group, I saw. Yes, he goes Love and, and the does Family his, Tree. He does yeah. his own things, right? Yeah, and he, he sings and plays acoustic guitar as well. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, lives in Canada. What happened to PD? PD, I saw him at the funeral. He's living in Manchester, he, he rejoined the band when they reformed, but only lasted a few gigs. Because <laughs> uh, Sean... Yeah. Excuse me, Sean went and done Black Grey. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I followed them from afar. Yeah. We, and it was a real, real shame. I don't know if you know this. It's a real fucking shame. So I got, uh, several months ago, I got uh, a call and email from an agent in the United States that was representing the Happy Mondays and was bringing them to America. Yeah. <clears throat> Would I like to open for them? Of course, I will. So I said to McGee, yeah, of course. It was the concert's meant to be next month in yeah, LA. Yeah. And it got pulled. Do you know why it got pulled? I was told Sean didn't want to come to America. Really? Yeah. That's what I was told. But Sean's not feeling America. I think that was one reason. I'd love to see him perform. Yeah. That I would because they do that album yeah. and I haven't seen that album ever played live. Nah. Really? Nah. Oh, that's I'm there. I mean when when well I have because I've done shows with them. Yeah. But they were 25 years ago. Okay. The shows got better and but the live shows got better and better. They they were they were really really good live. Like they 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 still had it and they worked really hard on the live shows. Yeah, no, I would love to see I'd love to to see them do that album live. Yeah. Cuz I think there's a Pills Feels tour. There was. I there was or it was. Yeah, the end of last year. I think the end of last year was the thirtieth anniversary. Right, fucking thirty years. But you away. might, you might get the chance. You never know. But yeah. Oh, I, 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 I hope I will. It's only, it's not for trying. It's just when I go home, they're not playing, right. and when I'm here, they're playing. Yeah. You know, so, and mm. with my touring and festivals, and right. it just doesn't fall. Yeah. You know, so I was so excited when they said. Okay, well, you're, you're going to open for New York and LA, oh. and then we're going to do the Palladium here. Paul like, was really excited about doing the gig in LA. You know, finally he gets to play where he lives. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And then, uh, yeah. But not to worry. Anyway. All right, I'm going to jump. Thank you so much. Thanks really, so much. really appreciate you're it. Welcome. That was really, nice. really good. That's all we've got for you this week. He's brilliant, isn't he? Love him. We're playing out with a song that Rowetta and Pete Smith did with Paul called Party People, which I think was made for the 24-hour Party People film and used on their website. Um, you also might recognise some of the bits of instrumentals from this show in there. Anyway, go and visit our website, paulrider.tv, for all of the information that you need if you're interested in following up on anything to do with the show. Thank you so much for being here. Lots and lots of love to you all. Have a fantastic week and we'll be back again next week. Same time, same place. Lots and lots of love to you all. Massive thanks to Paul Oakenfold and, of course, to the big man himself, the late, great Paul Anthony Ryder. Just can't see I'm living out of the body's lies What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Party people, party town Everybody's gotta get up to get down Party people, party sound Everybody's gotta get up to get down I'm trapped in the middle of some other body's dream
Sí.